Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. It's going to be a very tough few days for Paul Manafort. He'll be sentenced on March 8th in Virginia, where jurors convicted him of tax and bank fraud, and then sentenced five days later in D.C. on two conspiracy counts he pleaded to. And the special counsel filed a no-holds-barred sentencing memo telling the judge that President Trump's former campaign chairman brazenly violated the law for a decade and presents a grave risk of committing new crimes. Joining me is Robert Mintz, a former federal prosecutor and a partner at McCarter in English. Bob, what did Mueller highlight in the sentencing memo? Well, he really painted a very damning picture of Paul Manafort's conduct over the last 10 years, really asking the judge to throw the book at him for somebody who has simply flouted U.S. laws for more than a decade in a variety of schemes that all ultimately inured his financial benefit. Explain the mess that Manafort got himself into by agreeing to plead and then lying. Well, he went to trial in Virginia and was ultimately convicted on eight counts there. After that, he was facing similar charges in Washington, D.C., and he decided, instead of going to trial, to enter a guilty plea and to cooperate with the Mueller investigation. After agreeing to cooperate with the Mueller investigation, he apparently lied to federal prosecutors repeatedly, causing Mueller to go to court and ask that the cooperation deal be tossed out. And the judge actually had to hold a hearing on that and determine whether or not Manafort had lied. Judge found that he did throughout the cooperation deal, and now Manafort is facing up to 24 years in prison. So this will be a virtual life sentence, a presidential pardon, many say his only way out. But prosecutors in Manhattan are putting together a criminal case against Manafort just in case there's a pardon. Explain how they'll get around double jeopardy laws. Well, that's a very interesting question, June, because the dual sovereignty doctrine allows for different sovereigns to prosecute someone for essentially the same crimes. So in other words, if you commit a crime and are are convicted under federal law, the state can actually go after you for basically the same offense. New York, however, has a state law which makes it much more difficult to get uh, around that double jeopardy issue. So what prosecutors in Manhattan have apparently done is they put together charges that don't completely overlap with the charges that Mueller was investigating. So in the event that there is a presidential pardon, they believe that their charges, which would involve state tax law claims as opposed to federal, for example, that would include charges regarding false books and record keeping in connection with certain loans, that those would be independent and would be able to stand up to a challenge uh, along double jeopardy lines. But will the courts let these charges stand? Well, it really will depend on the facts, uh, and we don't know all those facts at this point, but uh, certainly the prosecutors in the Manhattan DA's office are aware what they have to do to put together an independent case. 
And generally, when someone who has, has committed such a broad array of crimes and so much criminal conduct, someone like Paul Manafort, it's not that difficult for prosecutors to find independent and different crimes than the one that Mueller went after. Now, Mueller is close to closing his report. If there are no other indictments forthcoming, what could states do to indict any of those who have been connected in the Mueller report? Well, anybody who's not been charged uh, are fair game for state prosecutors if state laws have been violated. So I think we could certainly see the possibility of state AGs in different jurisdictions taking a look at those individuals. Typically, what will happen is state prosecutors will stand down, as they did, for example, in Manhattan, uh, against Paul Manafort when they know there's a federal investigation going on. They'll defer to federal prosecutors who have broader jurisdiction and sometimes better tools to go after these crimes. But once federal prosecutors decide not to pursue them, state prosecutors will certainly take a fresh look at these allegations and see if they can bring charges on state grounds. Do you think that at this point there are not going to be any smoking guns there, that some people might be disappointed in in what's in the report? Well, you know, I mean, obviously that's the the $10 million question. It's hard to say uh, what Mueller is going to include in this report. He's been working at this for quite a while. It's hard to imagine that after all this time there's not going to be something in there that is going to be of consequence, and it really will depend on ultimately whether it amounts to a criminal violation, and even if it doesn't, whether it's so damning politically that it ultimately moves Democrats in the House to seek impeachment. Thanks so much, Bob. That's Robert Mintz. He's a former federal prosecutor and a partner at McCarter and English. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.